Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Once again, the Catholic Cafe is boldly going where no radio show has gone before, to the luxurious corner booth. To broadcast the truth of Christ in his church to anyone who will listen. Tom, is anyone listening? Yeah, I think there are a few folks listening. I really hope so. We need some music with that introduction. Well, no. We have like music. A, oh, no. We're not going to go there. That's uh-huh. a be copyright infringement oh, okay. uh, from a, a certain space program. Yeah, that would be good, though. But I do know people are listening uh, to you, Tom Dorian, yes. my co-host. And yes, myself, indeed. because I've gotten several emails, and we appreciate the emails. And, of course, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com is the email address if you so choose to email we me. we got to do a show someday on just emails. I've had that idea suggested, and we're going to do that in the near future. That's going to be great. All right, wonderful. So let's uh, move on to our topic of the day, the Blue Plate Special, as it were. Excellent. Um, we are going to discuss the oft-controversial topic of the teaching of the church on the death penalty. Heavy stuff. That's right. So we're all pretty familiar with the candlelight vigils outside the prison as the inmate is scheduled to be executed. We've seen the movies and we've watched it on the news. And, of course, many of those people who are prayerfully protesting the death penalty are Catholics. We see lots of nuns and priests standing there. Um, So we think that that's a Catholic teaching, that there should be no death penalty. And, of course... It uh, is, isn't it? Well, we're going to find that out today because when you look at the catechism of the Catholic Church you find something that might be a little contradictory. Really? Does the Catholic Church teach that the death penalty is right or wrong? And we're going to find out much more uh, about that as we welcome our guest. So we want to get some clarity on these issues uh, for sure today. And our guest is our friend, the lawyer, Mr. Robert Hutton. Hello, so, Deacon Jeff. Uh, hello, Robert. How are you doing? <laughs> welcome to the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. Are you comfortable? I'm very comfortable and ready to talk about such a controversial topic. Well, I do want to point out, by the way, Robert, you, uh, you, we're, we're, Tom, we're amongst greatness. I know we are. Robert has actually argued on this topic and argued a case before the Supreme Court. Robert, tell us just a little wow. bit about that. We don't have much time on that, but just tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, Deacon Jeff, one of the things as an attorney um, in this area of the law is one of your better chances actually to argue for the Supreme Court because there are a lot of tough issues. And this was an issue about a, a man who was a, um, a veteran who had a really bad representation. And the question was, how bad is, does legal representation have to be before you get a new trial? So, um, But it was a very good experience. Um, probably the only lawyer that's ever gone to confession in the halls of the U.S. Supreme Court building because right before my argument, I wanted to make sure that, uh, um, you know. You were pure of heart. Pure of heart. Um, but it was a great experience. It really was. Great well, story. Wonderful. And I just wanted folks at home to know that uh, this guy knows what he's talking about when he comes yeah. when it comes to the death penalty. Uh, maybe we launch right into this. Robert, let's just start with the basic question. Is the Catholic Church against the death penalty? In a modern times with modern society, the answer is yes. And this, Deacon Jeff, is like a lot of moral issues that there's some things that are clearly always wrong. And then there's some things that aren't always wrong. Uh, For example, uh, premarital sex. The church teaches that's an intrinsic evil. There's never an instance when an act of premarital sex is justified. But there's some other uh, types of issues where that's not true. Uh, Like, Tom, what do you think about war? I mean, would you say that war is, I mean, obviously it's bad, but is war ever justified? Oh, I'm sure in certain cases it is justified. Exactly. 
And that what the church says, there's some moral issues where you have to look behind as why are we doing something and are there any other alternatives? Right. Okay. And you're looking at the common good, right? You're looking at what is the best thing for all people in that situation. Exactly. Now, the church teaches that society has a legitimate right to maintain order. And that there are legitimate uh, reasons that a state imposes ha- has a criminal justice system, uh, protection of its citizens. Where we want to protect our society. If somebody's trying to kill our wife or, or steal our property, we have to pr- keep that from happening. Um, can you think of another reason, uh, Deacon Jeff? Why we um, why do we have a criminal justice system other than protection? You know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, stump the DJ. Okay. <laughs> Rehabilitation to try to make the offender better, to you know, to try right. to help the offender to do better. Uh, restitution is another uh, legitimate reason that a society has a criminal justice system, which would be basically to, um, uh, if I break your window, if I throw a, a rock through your window or damage your property, to pay the victim back to help compensate for that wrong. And then deterrence to have a punishment so that people know that society says this is wrong. Now, there is one reason that the church says you can never have a criminal justice that's system. That's the, fi- the fifth reason. That that's right. And that's that? retribution, revenge. Well, that's just payback. That's get back. The reason is is because of Christ's law of love, that we're called to love our enemies, that retribution is never a legitimate reason. Now, in the ancient world, when it was like ancient Israel, which was a nomadic society, they didn't have prisons where you could put people in prison for life. So it might be the only way we can protect ourselves is to put somebody to death. What the church has taught in modern times is said, you know, in a modern society like the United States where we have the ability to protect ourselves by putting somebody in prison for the rest of their lives, that that is more consistent with the gospel. In other words, because you can protect society, you can have restriction, you can have the person work while in prison to make restitution to the victims, life imprisonment is a deterrent, and that the only reason people in a modern time would argue for the death penalty over life imprisonment would be retribution, which is inconsistent with the gospel. Right. So the church doesn't say that the death penalty is a per se evil. In fact, in centuries ago, uh, the, the church actually put people to death. But in modern times... Now, this doesn't happen in modern times, obviously. There's no. no there's no more putting people to death from the... Because we're... It's not a... a, a you know, a, in terms of a government, uh, the church is no longer, um, uh, I don't know, running the place in terms of uh, doling out penalties like that. Well, well, that's an interesting question. The Vatican City State actually has a criminal code, but they don't have the death penalty. But I'm talking about the middle... <laughs> Yeah, because if somebody you knows shoplifts in St. Peter's, I mean, it's a separate country. And actually, they do have a criminal code, but they don't have the death penalty. I'm talking about in the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, hanging right. was a very common uh, punishment for serious offenses such as murder. Uh, for not only for the Catholic Church, but uh, it, it, it was un- un- all over the world. Um, what the church is simply saying, hey, today we have another alternative because we have modern prison systems, and that's more consistent with the gospel. So if you answer that, it's not that the church has changed its position. It's more that with the death penalty kind of like war, we have to look at what are the reasons behind it. And today, because of changes in society, there's not a reason anymore. That's basically the church's teaching. And that's why John Paul says the reasons to implement the death penalty are rare or practically non-existent today. The, our past Holy Father said that, and that's in our current catechism. He said rare, so there are times when it is appropriate. Well, yeah, if we went to a third world country, you know, some third world island, and we're in a little village, and somebody is uh, you know, crazy and trying to kill us and kill our children, we don't have a prison, we might have to put that person to death, simply because we have no other way to deal, to, to follow the legitimate purpose of restriction. 
Okay. But in, in the United States, if we're in New York City or if we're in Dallas, Texas, there's really no reason to do that today. So if you're on the, you know, the, the, the little tiny island or whatever, you know, the common good comes into play here. Right. Um, however, if you're in uh, a modern society such as America, our country, there should be no reason why we'd ever have to exercise the death penalty. That, that's right. And you've got to remember when the catechism was written, that was written for the universal church. So the church has to think of all cultures, all societies, modern, third world, uh, rural areas in Central America. And that's why it says, you know, there is a lethor- an authority of the state to maintain order. But if you have a way to follow the legitimate means of protecting yourself without uh, resorting to the death penalty, that, like life imprisonment, uh, that that's far more appropriate. There's a lot of contradiction out there, though, Robert. There's, there are folks out there that are pro-death penalty and also pro-life. When you refer to pro-life, you're, you're referring, of course, to the, uh, the stance that the unborn have the absolute right to life. I can see how that might seem contradictory, pro-death penalty, but still pro-life. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, we've got to be careful because the church has always taught that abortion is wrong since the earliest times, since the Didache, uh, which is the, the teachings of the Twelve Apostles, uh, documents back to the first century, that the church has uniformly taught for 2,000 years that the, the, the uh, killing of innocent uh, human beings or killing of the unborn is, is evil and wrong. In fact, that's one of those intrinsic evils that are a per se evil. It's always wrong. That's a non-negotiable wrong. intrinsic evil. It's always wrong. It, it, exactly. The, the teaching on the death penalty is kind of like the war. I mean, I, I, hopefully no one's pro-death penalty. That's kind of like saying I'm for war. I mean, if what people... No, no, but seriously, I mean, you will see some surveys every now and then that'll, that'll go down the list and there'll be a bullet, you know, where, where is your stance on abortion? Where is your stance on... Uh, the death penalty, and you will see a lot of Catholics check off that, yeah, I'm all for the death penalty. Well, and that's when I think we as a church have to challenge people to say, well, would you say I'm all for war? And where most people, I would think, would say, well, I'm for war if it's necessary and if there's not another legitimate way to promote peace. And what we have to do in a modern society with the death penalty is think about the reasons behind it that we've talked about during uh, over the last few um uh, minutes. Yeah. So, you know, you can't take the issue. The de- some moral issues are crisp and clear. We talked about premarital sex. That's never morally permissible. Murder, uh, uh, abortion. Right. But, well, even with homicide, the taking of human life, you've got self-defense issues. But that's not murder. I'm, when I'm talking about murder, I'm talking about first degree, uh, yeah, premeditated, cold-blooded, yeah. cold-blooded murder. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. And again, this gets somewhat into the terminology because there's some instances when the taking of human life is always tragic. It's always it's never in God's plan A, you know. But for the fall, we never would be here. But there are times when, unfortunately, um, when things are morally permissible, uh, the taking of a human life, like in the death penalty with the state. But what we've got to look at is: is it necessary? Are we furthering legitimate ends of punishment? Mm-hmm. Or are we merely furthering retribution, which is inconsistent with the gospel? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, certainly we have much more to say on this topic of the death penalty and the Catholic teaching behind this topic, and we'll do just that when we return. But first, I want to remind everyone about our website at www.thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find a wealth of information, including MP3s of this and other shows, podcasting, and lots of links to other great Catholic resources on the web. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So stay with us because my lawyer says you have to and we'll be right back.
Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Jesus calls us to love those who need it most, the hungry, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and even those in prison. In the Gospel of Matthew, he reminds us, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. St. Joseph Cavasso took that calling to heart. St. Joseph was born in Italy in 1811 with a deformed spine that left him short in stature and crippled his entire life. He felt a calling to the priesthood and was ordained in Turin, Italy in 1833. He was constantly plagued with complications from his medical condition, but he united the pain and suffering he felt with that of Christ's suffering on the cross. He never let it deter him from his calling to serve as a priest in Christ's one church. Remembering Jesus' call to visit those in prison, St. Joseph decided to focus the full attention of his ministry not only on reforming the prison conditions in Italy, but reforming the prisoners as well. He spent endless hours ministering to the prisoners. Writing about St. Joseph Cavasso, his friend, St. John Bosco, said, A single word from him, a look, a smile, his very presence, sufficed to dispel melancholy, drive away temptation, and produce holy resolution in the soul. St. Joseph spent much of his time on death row. His peaceful, spiritual demeanor led many a condemned prisoner to seek a closer relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and many were converted to the Catholic faith. Once, he accompanied 60 newly baptized prisoners to the gallows. Because they were put to death shortly after having been welcomed into the church, confessing their sins and receiving absolution, St. Joseph referred to them as hanged saints. He truly loved these prisoners, and in doing so, he truly loved Christ. St. Joseph told us, We are born to love, we live to love, and we will die to love still more. Because of his work in the prisons and his constant devotion to those condemned, he was known throughout the land as the priest of the gallows. St. Joseph Cavasso died in 1860 from pneumonia and conditions related to his birth defects. He was canonized by Pope Pius XII in 1947. Patron saint of those condemned to die, his feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on January 23rd. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. So we're back here in the Catholic Cafe, and I'm here, of course, with Tom Doring. Tom, you doing okay? I'm doing great. Wonderful. You taking I, some notes? I am taking a lot of notes. This is good stuff. Tom heavy isn't stuff. writing anything; he's eating. So, well, you know, those <laughs> donut holes like eating, eating peanuts, man. Just keep popping them. <laughs> you keep taking them off of Robert's yeah. plate. Yeah. So we have our guest here, Robert Hutton, and we're going to continue our conversation, Robert, about the teaching of the Catholic Church on the death penalty. And I think it's pretty clear now, based on our our first segment there, that the Catholic Church is basically against the use of the death penalty in in the context of a modern society where we have other opportunities and means with which to control the problem. However, there are times, there are instances, there have been in the past, and there are probably going to be in the future where you're in a situation where the death penalty in your uh, environment is is necessary. 
Right, but as our Holy Father Pope John Paul II said, uh, those instances in modern society are rare if, in fact, non-existent. Right, so we've got to the rarity right. in, in, the modern, in a modern country, in the modern world, the need for the death penalty. But obviously some village in Bolivia or some third world country uh, might, there might present a situation where there was no other uh, possibility. Well, let's look at this topic from another perspective, though. I, I imagine we have some listeners, as Tom was pointing out, there are a lot of people who are um, good Christians and they're in favor of the death penalty. They vote pro-death penalty. You know, they, they want a government that's going to not be, uh, uh, let's say, reluctant to throw the switch, as it were, right? So there's people that are in favor of that. And we've talked a little bit about that, whether or not that's consistent with Catholic teaching or not. But, you know, what many people will tell you when they're in favor of the death penalty, they'll say, but it's in the Bible. I mean, we've all heard the, the, the famous uh, uh, scriptural quotes, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth mm-hmm. for a tooth. Mm-hmm. How does one answer that particular, that particular claim? Well, there, there's several issues, Deacon Jeff. I mean, first of all, it's true that, that, there, that the, the Old Testament talks about in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, I mean, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But there are also other reasons in the, the Old Testament to, uh, that people should be put to death. The Old Testament commands that you be put to death for cursing your parents, for homosexual acts, for a lot of other things that most people today would not be supportive. So one thing you've got to think about is why do you follow the Old Testament with respect to um, the death penalty, with respect to uh, the taking of life, but not with respect to all the other reasons. If you're seeing it as a divine command, then we should put homosexuals to death and we should put people who curse their parents to death as well. And, of course, that's, that's ridiculous. We, no right. one really thinks that. There's another thing you've got to remember, too, about the Old Testament. Remember, even under the Old Testament law at the time, a person could not be put to death unless there were two eyewitnesses to the offense and the person was forewarned that what they were about to do is a capital offense. So, so you're saying it probably didn't happen as often as people might think it might have. Exactly. Rabbi Gamaliel had said that basically if the Sanhedrin had put somebody to death every 50 years, it was considered a murderous century. I mean, you know, it was very rare under ancient Jewish law for somebody to be put to death. Now, the, the broader perspective for most Christians is that we say, well, we're not under the law. I mean, think about that. The whole half the argument of St. Paul is we're not under the law because the Old Testament talks about dietary laws, um, that we're in the, the new the law of Christ. So people that take such a very dogmatic textual approach to Scripture have a hard time justifying, well, how can I pick this Scripture and say that this commands me to put people to death under these circumstances, but I can ignore the rest of it? Now, I've heard rejoinders before. With other scriptures. Uh, are you all familiar with, uh, have you ever heard of the Noadic Covenant, Tom? No. I have not. Some people have argued uh, with me that, well, that's talking about the law of Moses, which is only applicable to the Jewish people. But if you go back farther to the time of Noah, that in Genesis 9, 6, it's, uh, uh, God told Noah, which would be applicable to the whole human race, because, right, uh, that if you shed a man's blood, so shall your blood be shed. And they saw that as a divine command that if somebody... Um, wrongfully killed somebody they should be put to death and they'll use that today that's been used as an argument today the problem with that is if you took wow. the, if you took that literally there's some very famous people that should have been put to death <laughs> moses for killing the egyptian taskmaster king david for his involvement in having uriah killed mm-hmm. saint paul for his complicity in having stephen killed so the church has never understood and most people don't think Moses should have been put to death. I mean, that you can't see that as a divine command that under every instance that somebody should be put to death. 
And you need to remember, that what's the first murder in Scripture? A little Scripture quiz here. Who was the first murder? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And did the Lord command that Cain be put to death for murdering his brother? Kicked him out. No, he punished him. He banished him. But he put a mark and said no one should touch him. So that hmm. the church's understanding is that we cannot see that because something is written in the Bible, you've got to take it in the context of the culture. And you can't pick and choose. This is not a cafeteria scripture. We can't say, by golly, I think all people who commit murder need to be put to death because an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But then they don't follow the Bible with respect to cursing one's parents. You're getting into authority. Hmm? You're getting into authority. You have to have some authority somewhere to help guide you. Exactly. And that's obviously where I think we as Catholics have a different understanding than people that just take the Bible. We would consider ourselves certainly blessed to have a living authority here to help us interpret those scriptures because obviously if we're left to ourselves to look at those scriptures, you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different ideas can come forth. Absolutely. And we see with the death penalty the need for a living authority because times have changed. 2,000 years ago in a nomadic society, you might have to put somebody to death that's trying to kill people because you have nothing else to do with them. But as the society has changed and as we came up with um, uh, an ability to put people in prison and developed prisons, then the church says, you know, society has changed to where we have a, a means now that's more consistent with the gospel more consistent with the law of loving one, one's enemies. Well, what about in the New Testament? What are, what are Jesus' thoughts on, on the death penalty? Well, that's, that's a very good question. There are, there are a couple of things uh, I usually point to. In the Sermon on the Mount, the only time Jesus talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is in Matthew 5 when he says, You heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Um, so there our Lord is taking an Old Testament commandment and turning it into a new way, looking at it in a new light under the law of love. And that's what we're saying about the death penalty. Is we need to do that. We need to take that old law and look at it. And do we really need the death penalty in modern times? I often also tell people that when, and here's another little scripture quiz, when did, did Jesus ever confront a, a, uh, a capital case? Yeah. When they were getting ready to stone... Well, stone the woman caught in adultery in John's gospel. Right. And so I think it's significant that the only time that the Lord ever addressed a capital case is when he, put, when he stopped an execution. That's right? a good point. So now people sometimes talk about, they say, well, yes, you've got to look at that, but you've got to look at Romans 13. Uh, that's another scripture that people talk about uh, often. And Romans 13 is where St. Paul's talking about you need to uh, be obedient to uh, and subordinate to authority because authority comes from God. And there's a quote in there that, um, that the authority does not use the sword in vain. And they say, see, and that must be talking about the death penalty. Well, there are a couple of points to that. We don't disagree that in certain times, particularly in that time in history, that the death penalty might have been a necessary way to protect society. But that's not seen as a divine command that in all instances you have to use the death penalty for all offenses. Because that Romans 13 is not talking about the death penalty. And you've got to take it in the context of what Paul's talking about. Because we've got to remember in Romans, Paul's talking about we're not under the law anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have to, you know, we're not under the law, we're under the law of Christ. We don't have to worry about the law. Well, Paul didn't want to, to create an impression that it's okay to be an anarchist. You know, if we're not on the law, well, we don't have to obey any authority. We're not on the law anymore. We're under the law of Christ. So know that, that there is legitimate authority and there are legitimate consequences. So people often read too much into Romans, um, um, Romans 13, mm-hmm. which is not talking about punishment for capital offenses. So then you'd also say it's fair based on Scripture. You wouldn't want to say that, uh, that you should never 
use the death penalty. Scripture is like a uh, jigsaw puzzle, Deacon Jeff. You can't take one little piece, one little text verse, and understand the entire meaning. Obviously, there are capital provisions in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and several different commands for the death penalty for various offenses, uh, idolatry. Um, you know, worshiping false gods, cursing one's parents, all kinds of different words as you shall be put to death if you do this. But what we see, though, with is looking at the big picture, what the church has said is, you know, Jesus in the law of love, that if we have to love our enemies, we're commanded to, to pray for those who persecute us, that when we look at the legitimate reasons a society has um, uh, a criminal justice system, that it's more consistent to have life without parole. So it does reiterate the idea that if you're going to proof, proof text, if you're going to you know, you're going to parse scripture into little teeny pieces, cut it up, you can rearrange things and sort of almost back any particular doctrine you want to follow or believe in. That's the problem, Deacon Jeff. If everyone is his own master of scripture, you can make scripture argue almost anything. Uh, we, you know, I mean, my favorite is what was it Rasputin that uh, it, it enticed a woman to uh, that was very virtuous to be with him by saying it says in Scripture there's more joy in heaven when one uh, sinner repents than 99 righteous people, and then argued that to say, see, if you do something lurid uh, inappropriate with me and then repent, God will be happier than if you never did in the first place. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, hey, that sounds like the ultimate bar pickup line. I don't That's know. That sounds terrible. Right there. But the point is, you can, um, Scripture, a, a, a text taken out of context is a proof text. And what you've got to do is put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. And that's what the living tradition authority of the church does. And that's where we've seen versus solo scriptura. Right. The church is not in favor. Obviously, whenever somebody commits a murder, that's a horrible offense. Right? The church is not saying that murder is good, and they're not saying that there shouldn't be a serious punishment. Taking a human life is the most grievous uh, offense that there is. Um, what they're simply saying is, you know, those murder, we have to love the victims. But we also have to love the murderers. Now, sometimes love can be tough love. It can be punishing a person. But by putting them away, we're allowing the opportunity of their conversion, their rehabilitation, of them to work to make some kind of restitution towards the victims, to work and make money for the victim's family, um, and that that's more consistent with the gospel. Um, so that's the church's point. That's wonderful, Robert. Thank you. You've, you've really uh, added lots of uh, clarity, I think, to this discussion. Yep. And yep. So thanks again for visiting us here at the uh, Catholic Cafe, Robert. Thank you, Dick and Jeff. No problem. Well, let's do this. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, you created man in your own image. And so you see the intrinsic value of each one of us, man, woman, and child, born and unborn, free and imprisoned. Help us to share this gospel of life with those we meet and help the world to see the wisdom of your creation. We ask you to grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.